Hey everyone, welcome to the Bio Breakthroughs podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is the co-founder and CEO of Occugen, Dr. Shankar Musanari. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Jared. I'm excited to have you here. Let's dive right in. Tell the audience a little bit about your background. I'm a veteran in the biotech and pharma industry for over 30 years. I'm very passionate about, you know, um, really impacting positively on patients' lives. Um, and there are a lot of unmet medical needs. And if you take, uh, there are so many, you know, diseases which are orphan nature, as well as the diseases which have a large disease burden, we still don't have answer with the medical science. So that's the reason, um, you know, I, after working for many years in the large uh, pharma companies, I became an entrepreneur about 13 years ago. Um, with them, a passion and, you know, we can have direct impact on patients' lives. And uh, my, my target is, you know, taking a challenging targets where there are a lot of unmet medical needs. And that's where I think there is a lot of risk, but, you know, there's a lot of reward on the back end. You know, if you solve those problems and help these patients, I think uh, that's very rewarding. And, and how did your background lead into starting Occugen? Uh One, of course, I got a lot of experience working at uh, large uh, pharma companies like, you know, um, Wyatt and Pfizer. Um, and then along with that, I do have um, good, you know, uh, background on the technical side. I have a PhD and I also have MBA from Duke. I mean, so mixing that technical and business background, um, it gave me confidence um, to, you know, take risk to become an entrepreneur. So I can pursue my passion. I love it. Um, and for our audience that maybe hasn't heard about Occugen, and even if they have, give us the, the general breakdown of, of where the company is at today. Um, yeah, Occugen uh, is founded on, you know, we have three distinct um, platform technologies. Um, we, we target unmet medical needs um, in cell and using our cell and gene therapy platforms. And also, there's unmet medical need. You know, you take in the vaccine um, space, uh, we're focused on vaccines too with our inhalation vaccine. So we have three unique platform technologies, gene therapies with the modified gene therapy platform, targeting ophthalmology, eye space, mostly retinal diseases, and then cell therapies tar targeting regenerative medicine, um, targeting specifically cartilage repairs for knees. And then we have inhalation vaccine platform targeting COVID and flu. So, I mean, obviously, if you look at our tagline, it's a courageous innovation. You know why? Because using our gene and cell therapies, we're targeting unmet medical needs. And uh, when you target unmet medical needs, you know, you're taking risk from business perspective because nobody has gone there. And, uh, and all these platform technologies we have, they're first in class. And so, um, so that's what Arcogen is all about, you know, um, uh, using our platform technologies in cell and gene therapies and vaccines and going after diseases and many of them are unmet medical needs and using courage and innovation. We want to develop these products, take it to the market. And our mission is not over it. When you take it to the market, it's about how many patients you treat, you know, it's really important. It's not just taking this you know, cutting its technology platform, working hard, take it to the market. That's actually when our work starts. Our mission is to work even harder to provide um, market access for patients who need them globally, not just in US and EU. 
And you know, when people hear unmet medical needs, why why are you so passionate at Oxygen about addressing these where you know not many people do, right? That that that's why you're addressing them is because there's there's opportunity here. And, and but I would love to hear from you. You know, why are you why are you and your team so passionate about like what what came into the decision process of saying we want to go after unmet medical needs? Um. Yeah, I mean, if you take uh, ophthalmology space, you know, that's how when we started Oxygen, the co-founder and myself, a, um, Dr. Compella, is an expert in ophthalmology. At that time, I didn't have a lot of ophthalmology background. But one thing, when he invited me to spend a couple of days in his lab at the University of Colorado, is working on, uh, you know, biologicals targeting some um, retinal diseases where the, there is a significant unmet medical need. And I looked into that, and and I came out and uh, said, yep, you're absolutely right. You know, there's so much to be done. And uh, I mean, the reason is, um, if you take something like retinitis pigmentosa in ophthalmology space, and uh, it is, there are many inherited retinal diseases. That means your parents have it. Most likely we're going to get it. And uh, a lot of these diseases, um, they don't have any treatment today. And why it's a disheartening is because many of these patients can become legally blind by the time they're in mid-40s, right? So there are about, between retinitis pigmentosa and liver congenital amaurosis, there are about 125 genes which can get mutated. Currently, we have one gene therapy product in the marketplace, which shows less than 1,000 patients in U.S., one genetic mutation. How about those 124 genes? How about those 125,000 patients uh, remaining patients in U.S. and 1.6 million global. So if you put yourself in patient shoes, um, Jared, I mean, they are in desperate need. You know, they start losing the vision. In this case, um, mostly in RP patients, their peripheral vision goes first. Then they'll have like a central vision. So you're losing these visual functions, you know, in the day-to-day -day stuff too. And suddenly, you know, they may not be able to walk without hitting something. And slowly you will become legally blind. And so putting yourself and putting yourself in the families, how they have to deal with that. And tomorrow I'm going to be blind. You know, I mean, I may become a burden for my family and, and the family is thinking the same thing. How do we deal with this person, right? I mean, so, I mean, it's really disheartening. I mean, so from the patient perspective, there's so many patients who are in desperate need. So that's from orphan disease perspective, right? And, but there's another big disease in retinal space dry age-related macular degeneration. Recently, um, you know, we got two products approved. However, um, those products, you know, target one cause of the disease, whereas we actually recently got a, uh, our IND to enter into clinic got cleared by FDA for OQ410, another modifier gene, and which targets four causes of the disease, you know, not one cause. And we believe um, this could be a game changer with one-time potential curative therapy instead of giving multiple injections per year. And why this is important? When you get late stage of dry AMD, dry AMD is like 10 million patients in US. The 1 million is late stage geographic atrophy. So if you take overall dry AMD, it's 200 plus million patients globally. So why the geographic atrophy patients get so desperate? I mean, they have like a, almost like a lesions, we call it, you know, in a simple terms, you can call it the black spot in the central vision. And once you start seeing it, you know, I am trying to read and middle of the page, I cannot read. 
you know, slowly that spot will increase, increase, and eventually I'll become blind. So once you start seeing it, I become desperate. Oh my God, even though it's age related, many of the patients could be over 60. I'm thinking, how do I do day-to-day -day stuff? How do I go and, uh, you know, I may not be able to see my family or my grandkids and suddenly I cannot drive, you know? So that really hits you and they become desperate. And I think uh, even though recently there are some approvals, but we believe there's a significant unmet medical need. You know, if I can take our gene therapy and, and you know, potentially show clinical efficacy with good safety, and that's a game changer. You know, if I can treat these patients on a single, one potential injection back of the eye in a subretinal dose, and uh, that's a potential cure for life, that'll be so rewarding, right? Changing so many lives globally. So we are targeting with our gene therapies, not just um, rare diseases, we're also targeting diseases that are big. And so this could be game changer. And, and so, so that's where, you know, we come in, you know, using this technology platform, which is gene agnostic, rather than traditional gene therapies targeting one-to-one. -one. You have a mutation, non-functioning gene, you give a functioning gene through gene therapy vector, and uh, yeah, you fix that. But however, system, you are assuming the entire system is okay. Sometimes with epigenetics, you know, in eye space, and you can try to treat that non-functioning gene with a functioning gene through gene therapy, you're assuming the system is surviving. But if the photoreceptors, in, you know, they're still degenerating because of some cascading effect, they're not looking into that. So that's why the gene therapies we have, they're like master genes in the retina. They control all the networks from cell development to inflammation, metabolism to survival, and they bring homeostasis, resetting it at the molecular level and cellular level, and provide and restore the function and provide a healthy environment for cells to survive. And that's very important for people to understand. And that's why we can use this technology to target multiple, potentially multiple um, genetic mutations, not one. And that's why the first product, Oki 400, we do have orphan drug designation, broad orphan for RP and LCA in US and Europe, targeting potentially all those 125 genetic mutations and targeting like those 1.6 million people globally. So companies don't have to work on those 125 products, which is almost impossible. And people will may pick like, you know, a disease with 2000 patients, 3000 patients or because today gene therapies are charging over $3 million because it's a one dose potential curative therapy for life. So pharmacoeconomics in US are, um, you know, kind of justifying that price. Um, I mean, however, it, it becomes very difficult. I mean, I mean, so there's no way companies are going to develop 125 products, right? So that's where I think, I think we believe this technology platform is game changer. And uh, I mean, we want to work harder and harder to move these programs in the clinic as fast as we can. So on the other side, patients globally can benefit. One of the reasons I like to do video is because when I ask questions like that and I can see the passion as you're, you're talking through this, I can actually see it. So thank you so much for, for telling us more. And, and I want to make sure too, we are able to go into some cool recent updates that you've had in terms of uh, where things are at with the company, but then also uh, you have some some personnel uh, additions, right, that, that you're excited about. So we'd love to hear more about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So recently, our first gene therapy program uh, under Modified Gene Therapy, 
platform technology, OQ400, we provided an update from our current uh, phase one to clinical trials. And uh, so we are, um, these results are very encouraging because number one, um, we are looking into multiple mutations in RP patients. And sometimes, as I mentioned, these patients may have this master gene defect itself. Then one can say, okay, there's a non-functioning gene, like traditional gene therapy give a functioning gene. That's fine. It should work, right? So we're also testing this, as I mentioned before, we can target all these potential mutations. We picked another mutation called rhodopsin. I mean, that mutation is very difficult to treat. And it has, that mutation itself, that genetic mutation has over 10,000 patients under rhodopsin mutations. And so that one um, is very encouraging because we are using our technology, proving our concept as a gene agnostic, not one-to-one, and rhodopsin is a proof. And so in this clinical trial, first of all, we showed favorable safety and tolerability in all these subjects. And uh, some, of, I mean, there are about 12 subjects who got tracked up to, some of them up to 12 months, some up to nine months, some up to six months. And uh, so the total 12 and 75% um, of these subjects demonstrated stabilization or improvement in a, one of the functional um, you know, endpoints like a mobility. They go through this mobility course at a different light levels and they showed improve, either stabilization or improvement. And uh, 83%, 10 out of 12 subjects demonstrated preservation or improvement in treated eye, either with uh, BCVA or low light visual equity or mobility course. So that means, which is very encouraging, so, I mean, you look at these multiple endpoints and they're showing improvement or stabilization. Why it's important? Remember, first of all, all these patients, their vision is degenerating. Okay, there's nothing out there for these patients. If you're able to even stabilize with the data we have, it's going to come, more data is going to come. If we're able to stabilize, that's very, very important. That means even I have 50% vision left, I can function, okay? And if I can preserve it rest of my life, that'll be really good, right? That's amazing. So, and also improving. Improving means almost like a reversal of where I am to improving. That's even good. So I think that's what, I think the, these results are very compelling. And 86% of patients, six out of seven with a rhodopsis mutation, showed either stabilization or increase. That's very important, as I mentioned to you before. So that's a gene agnostic approach. So, so these results are very encouraging. So the next steps for this program are we're actually planning to meet with agencies by the end of the year, like FDA and uh, eventually EMA, European Medicines Agency, and uh, discuss our phase three design. And uh, if we get an agreement, um, you know, we're potentially planning to initiate our phase three clinical trial by the end of the year or early next year. That's important, you know, so that, you know, we move on to the phase three. So by if everything goes according to our plan, potentially we can launch this in 2026 and make it available. And so that's on our gene therapy highlights, recent highlights. And the personal, um, you know, we have a big mission, right, Jared? And, uh, and we also have, you know, cell therapy program for cartilage repairs. It's, it's first of its kind. It's a 3D. We can take your chondrocytes and we can grow them in our lab. We have proprietary bioreactors. 68 weeks, we send it back to orthopedic. There's nothing like that. It's a 3D technology. It's like a, so these, these implants. So we believe that's going to get into phase three sometime second half of next year, um, you know, because we're building our own manufacturing facilities in Pennsylvania. 
And uh, so that's for cartilage repairs. There's a significant unmet medical need. About a million patients in the U.S. get arthroscopic surgeries with the knee cartilage repairs today. Uh, the third one is vaccine platform, inhalation vaccines. You know why it's important? Probably you must have taken multiple vaccines, right? Current vaccines. So taking uh, COVID shots every three months is not an answer. People get, you know, vaccine fatigue. And so what are, what is missing in current fact? They did a great job during pandemic to you know, prevent hospitalization, saving a lot of lives. But however, now as the data is coming out, scientific data, what you need is you need to prevent transmission so people don't get infected first. What is the best way to do that? Is giving mucosal vaccines. If you give like intranasal or inhalation vaccines, then you um, produce mucosal antibodies in addition to systemic. So you have potential to prevent transmission of any virus. And it's not just for COVID, for other viruses too, it'll be useful. And then you also have durability. If I can get that vaccine work for one year, just like flu shots you take every year, then it becomes a normal course. So we believe uh, our technology, you know, um, some of it is, you know, licensed and, and some we developed. We created an inhalation vaccine platform for COVID and flu, and we're very excited about it. Um, I mean, based on XUS data, this inhalation vaccine has potential to go uh, durability for one year or more, and uh, it can uh, prevent, you know, potentially transmission through, uh, you know, mucosal antibodies. So we're the virus center. So that's good. So we're excited about it. So again, that can really do a lot of good for global health once we develop this in the next few years. So with that said, what do we need as a company right now? Any growing biotech, uh, once you get some data in cutting edge tech, technology platform like gene therapies, cell therapies, and uh, even vaccines taking it to the next level, we do need to um, have partnerships, you know? Um, and, and vaccine said, of course, you know, government partnerships, we're working with multiple agencies and uh, any support from them will be very rewarding because it's for public health. And I think it should be public-private partnership. And uh, it's a lot of uh, capital is needed to run these vaccine trials. So we're working hard on that. And then from um, gene therapy side, of course, potential corporate in a big form of partnerships will be very rewarding to move the programs faster. And also on the other end, once you get there, they have excellent infrastructure. And so, and, and so that will really maximize value for our patients and, and uh, oxygen shareholders too. So in order to uh, accelerate and aggressively work on those fronts, uh, you know, potential government funding on vaccine side to partnerships on gene therapy, we created a um, very highly credible business advisory board um, this year. And uh, we have four members on that. Recently, we added um, Connie Collinsworth uh, who worked for many, many years, a very senior role at Gates Foundation, including chief operating officer, uh, to join that. And uh, I mean, because remember, our goal is not to only get these products to the market, which are like on the cutting edge technologies, and our work starts then, because we want to work even harder to provide global market access for patients everywhere, and, and, and so who need them. So that takes a lot of effort, you know, because everywhere people are not going to be able to pay like US and EU. And some places we have to do a lot of good work, you know, saving these lives and supporting these lives. And so I think with that, you know, Connie and we have uh, Senator Pat Toomey on the scientific advisory, on the business advisory board. We got Ambassador Joe Westphal and Dr. Dennis Carey. So it's a highly credible team. They're very passionate about what Oxygen is doing. And uh, they're um, here to help our management team to navigate and guide 
you know, for these potential partnerships and navigate our strategy short term and long term. So with that, we're very excited. We have a lot of things going on at Akigen and, you know, um, potentially starting, you know, gene therapy, first phase three clinical trial next year, then cell therapy, phase three clinical trial in Neocart. And, uh, you know, looking forward to a lot of advancement, you know, with some government support on the vaccine side. So, so from all three cylinders, we're firing and, uh, and our goal is to really take care of patients. It's, uh, it's, it sounds like you have a lot of exciting stuff that you're, uh, that, that is both in the works and some, some new additions. So I'm really excited for you. And like I said, we'll need to have you come on again in the future to kind of give us an update on where things are at. And then we can also dive deeper, right? This is your first time coming on the show, which we're again, super excited about. Uh, the last thing I have before we wrap up here is it says here, you're the world's biggest Patriots fan. Is that true? <laughs> Eagles fan, Jared. It says Patriots in all caps. It says, ask him about the Patriots. Is that is that not true? Is that my boys? <laughs> oh, oh, it's Eagles. They won Eagle. the Super Bowl. Yeah, ah, yeah. Ah. I'm the Patriots fan. That's what all it is. Right. Okay. All right. That's all right. That's my mistake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, at least, at least you're not a Cowboys fan. So that's okay. Exactly. No, go go Eagles. Uh, no Eagles. I, I don't yeah, like the yeah. Cowboys. Uh, so. Uh, on that note, thank you so much for joining us here today and, and excited to have you on in the near future and best of luck to you and your team. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jared. Really, thank you.